this is Real Estate Rookie Show number 37. I bought four properties in that town that I started investing in, but um, I'm probably not going to buy there anymore because my strategy's changed a little bit, right? So just because you start somewhere doesn't mean you need to be there forever. So pick somewhere, don't overthink and just get started. My name is Ashley Kerr, and I am here today to introduce you to a very new co-host we have on the Real Estate Rookie Podcast. We are all very sad to see Felipe go, but I am so excited to introduce you to Tony Robinson. Hi, Tony. Thank you for joining us. What's up, Ashley? This is like super surreal for me right now. Um, it's like a like a kid in a candy shop, a kid on Christmas Eve, whatever you want to call it. It feels so good to be here. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that when I first started on the podcast. Uh, what was that initial feeling like when you found out you were going to be the new co-host? Almost a disbelief, right? Like, yeah. I feel like it's still <laughs> sinking in a little bit. You know, I feel like every every new real estate investor, like they think of bigger pockets, it's like the the pinnacle of real estate education. So to now be a part of this team and, and help other folks get started, it's it's such a cool feeling. Yeah, so I've gotten to know Tony a little bit, and he was also a guest on episode number 10, where we originally interviewed him, and we'll talk about that some more, but I am so excited to work with you and to interview our rookies and get, you know, just as much information as we can out. And yeah, so thank you for coming on board. And you're gonna have to <laughs> put up with a lot having to be my co <laughs> you're, you're awesome, Ashley. I'm, I'm just hoping that I don't I don't start pulling you down, right? I'm like the newbie here. So I feel like it's like I'm, I'm the freshman, you're the senior, and I'm just trying to, you know, fit in with the cool kids right now. So. Don't worry, I'll whip you into shape real quick. <laughs> there you go. Before we get into Tony's story, today we're going to talk about where he was when we first interviewed him and how he has grown and scaled since then. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, so Tony, episode 10, we originally interviewed you. What happened? For anyone that hasn't listened to that episode yet, and I highly recommend everyone goes back and listens to it to get to know Tony a little bit better. But can you give us some of the highlights about where you were when your investing career at that time? 
Yeah. So uh, when I first came on the show, I had two deals under my belt, uh, two both single family houses. I live in California. I, I invest primarily out of state. So I had purchased two long-term rentals in Shreveport, Louisiana, this little old town in, in Northwestern Louisiana. And I think what was unique about my story is that I bought both of those properties and they were burrs with zero money down for the, the purchase and the rehab. Um, so I really walked guests through how I was able to set up the financing for that. Um, some of the the struggles that I went through as a first time real estate investor trying to manage a rehab from multiple multiple states away, and and kind of how I built my team in this state that I didn't uh, that I didn't live in. If you're looking for a quick crash course on how to invest out of state, I think it'd be a good place to start. I have uh, one question for you that seems to be a super common question: is how did you identify an out of state market? Yeah. So I got a little lucky, right? In that I had family that lived in that state and they had actually bought some real estate out there using this this kind of similar loan program where they bought a, a property they needed to rehab and they were able to get it fixed up and they had a bunch of equity. So for me, it was almost a no brainer once I saw them do that to say, hey, if they can do this, I'm sure that I can too. So if there are people that you know that are already doing this in out-of-state markets, you would recommend reaching out to them. And were they more than happy to kind of guide you along and show you how they did it? Yeah, it was actually my mom. So she didn't have much choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. But yeah, I mean, if you're if you're a newbie and you're and you're looking to invest out of state and you do have family or friends or whoever that live out there, like definitely reach out to them. But here's what I'll say to you, Ashley, is that um, I, I think a lot of times people overthink that first market right? Just because you start investing in a market doesn't mean that you have to continue investing in that market. And I bought four properties in that town that I started investing in, but um, I'm probably not going to buy there anymore because my strategy's changed a little bit, right? So just because you start somewhere doesn't mean you need to be there forever. So pick somewhere, don't overthink and just get started. Okay, Tony, this is like five minutes into your first podcast and you're already upstaging me with better <laughs> advice. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was really awesome. So let's let's go into what has happened since then. Uh, during COVID, did you just stop investing? What happened? Yeah, I just I climbed under a rock and, and I haven't done much since then. No, <laughs> um, it's actually been pretty busy for me. So I had two properties back in I think February when we initially spoke, and I'm up to to six properties now with a, a seventh in their contract. We'll be closing um, in just a few weeks here. So um, I, I ended up buying two more properties in Louisiana. Um, in that same city. Um, and, and we can kind of get into those because I actually end up using a different financing program because when COVID hit, uh, a lot of these banks, they kind of got spooked. Um, so I had to find different ways to, to purchase some of these properties. So I bought two more in Louisiana. I actually bought a five bedroom cabin in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee as a short-term rental in August. And then uh, actually just yesterday, I closed on my sixth property, which was in Joshua Tree, California. And I've got another one in Joshua Tree that's scheduled to close uh, in early November. That is awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. So it's been a busy summer. Right, definitely. Yeah. And you're getting married soon too, And right? I'm getting married. Yeah, 33 days now. So we're, we're counting down. Wow. Great, great. So let's talk about the first two in Louisiana. Yeah. So those two, um, they were both heavy rehabs. That was actually our first time buying from a wholesaler. So, you know, after we, we did the first two properties in Louisiana and we felt like we had a pretty good model, we had a good team built out. Um, we knew that we wanted to try and search for uh, better deals. So we found a couple of wholesalers, uh, found one that we connected with and we bought two deals from him. Now, when you buy from a wholesaler, um, it, it is a little tough to try and get bank financing. Um, right. Because um, one, the the speed at which you need to close, the, the wholesalers typically just don't want to wait that long. So to be competitive, you got to be quick. So we didn't have a, a ton of just cash laying around um, that we wanted to invest in these properties. So we, we got kind of creative and we ended up using a line of credit. And you hear lines of credit all the time, right? You, you hear of home equity line of credit, personal lines of credit. Um, but what we actually used was a line of credit against uh, stocks that we owned. Um, so like E-Trade, Fidelity, all these kind of big companies where you, you know, you're, you, you can buy and purchase stocks. If you have enough in stocks with those companies, they'll give you a line of credit. And the interest rate was like super, super low. It was like 2% or something like that. So it was a, it was a really good deal. So we used that to buy both of those properties. Now, the funny thing is, as we purchased those properties, um, we had the bid set up for all of them. We, we were getting ready to start doing the rehab, but we ended up finding this cabin in Pigeon Forge. And as we kind of delved into that market a little bit more and, and understanding uh, what was going on over there, we identified that there was a really, really good opportunity to transition our business model. 
So initially we were focused on uh, like long-term rentals uh, in the single family space. And our goal was to kind of scale up and to start buying larger multifamilies in the long-term rental space. But we kind of found out about the the power <laughs> behind short-term rentals. Then we ended up going into this Pigeon Forge market. And when we got that that property under contract, we were kind of in this this weird position, right? We had these two properties that we had purchased that we hadn't yet started the rehab on. We had this new property that, that was a short-term rental that we knew nothing about and that we were going to have to try and figure out. And we said, okay, do we do we want to continue investing in these short-term or in the long-term rentals, or do we want to kind of put all of our eggs in the basket of the short-term rental? So we we bought these two properties and we actually didn't do anything with them. We we bought them and just kind of let them sit for for a couple months now, and we're actually in the process of reselling them so we can reinvest those profits. So we bought those properties. I think I learned a lot about buying from wholesalers, but we actually never finished a rehab because we we kind of changed our focus a bit. So you had multiple exit strategies when you purchased that property. Yeah, I mean, so the you know when we bought it, I, I don't think we were initially anticipating that we were just going to turn around and kind of resell them. But when we when we got kind of tied up in this other property in, in Tennessee, we just knew that we didn't have the bandwidth because we we both work full time. You know, we've got a lot of other things that are going on, and when we looked at just the return on investment, it was so much higher with the short-term rental than it was for the long-term rental. So we said, hey, we, we bought them. We're actually trying to sell them at, even at a loss right now. We'll take a small loss in these properties just to kind of get rid of them so we can focus all of our attention back on the long on the short-term rentals. And when you say we, it's you and your fiance or do you have another a partner? Yeah, so it's a great question. So my fiance, she wasn't involved in any of the the first properties that I purchased. So the, the four properties that I bought in Louisiana, um, that was just me and my partner. Uh, who, who just happens to be my fiance's cousin, but it was just he and I that, that focused on those. But when we when we transitioned into the short term rental game into the Airbnb space, we knew that we needed someone to uh, kind of help us with the hosting and you know some of the design aspects because neither he or I are, are, are generally really good at that. Uh, so my fiance, she's now like the the face of our Airbnb. So like mm-hmm. when you go to book, it's her face. She's the one that's communicating with all the guests. So she's now a part of the business as well. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. And then um, my next question was, how did you find the cabin? So you were focused on long-term buy and hold. You were looking right. in Louisiana. How did you end up in Tennessee doing short-term rentals? Yeah. So my partner and I, uh, it's the two of us who we bought all of our, our single family homes with, but we had actually partnered up with a, with a third person in our pursuit to start acquiring multifamily properties. And, you know, we, we, we meet regularly, right? Just to kind of talk as a team about what we were doing. And one day he brought up to us and said, Hey guys, I think I'm buying a cabin in Tennessee. And we were like, you know, like, what the heck is going on? And uh, it actually turns out that he listened to one of the bigger pockets real estate shows and uh, Avery Carl was a guest. And she mm-hmm. talked about her experience in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. And I think at the time she had like five short-term rentals there and she was just killing it. And our other partner, he's just a really, once he gets an idea, he just kind of goes down the rabbit hole and, and tries to figure everything out. So he had pretty much set up, you know, a, a, a pretty solid team out there. He found a cleaner, he found a maintenance man, a handyman, he found the realtor, like he had everything that we needed. So we kind of let him go first. <laughs> and once he <laughs> kind of proved out that that model worked, then we just jumped in right behind him and, and kind of followed the same path. And that's like another perfect example of connecting and networking with people you already know. And I'm sure he also wasn't too afraid to kind of show you how to do it and share your team. And that's what I love about real estate investing is that there are very, very few people that want to keep it as a secret to themselves. A lot of people are willing to share all of this information and what they have access to. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think the other thing that I'll add to you, right, and, and this was like an, an eye-opening experience for me is that you've got to be flexible in your approach, right? Like like be very clear in what your goals are, but be flexible in how you get there. Like when I first started investing in real estate, you know, I, I thought for sure that, that my path was going to be uh, apartment syndication. Like, you know, when I, when I was doing my initial research, I was like, that that's what I want to be able to do. But as I kind of started going down that path and building that team and t- taking all those, you know, doing all the things that are required to, to be successful in that, I realized there's, there's, and not that I'm afraid of work, but there's so much work that goes into building that as, as a successful business. And then when I found the short-term rental space and kind of everything that comes along with that, it, the light bulb kind of went off and saying that I can achieve almost the same financial goals that I had, but I can do it in a way that's more conducive to what my skill set is. 
right? Like I, I couldn't be, I don't, I don't think I could ever be a wholesaler because I don't, I don't have that. You kind of got to have some, some teeth really to, to be a great wholesaler and, you know, love dealing with the sellers and negotiating and all that stuff. And, you know, that, that's not quite my personality. And I couldn't be a flipper. I don't think because I'm, I don't get as excited about the rehab. Like I love seeing the finished product, but like managing the rehab, like I'm, I'm just, I'm not passionate about that, but I love the short-term rental space and I've, I've really grown to enjoy it because there's, uh, there's a personal connection with the guests. Um, a lot of times you can even buy turnkey and, and the deals still work out great. Um, there's a lot of systems that you get to put in place, which I love doing. And, and there's, you know, software and things that you can implement. So I found something that I think speaks to my skill set. And when you put me, my fiance and my partner all together, we make like the perfect team to really tackle this. So be flexible in your approach. And I think you'll, you'll find some success. That's awesome. And it's a great feeling when you find that perfect strategy for you and you really put in those systems and those processes and really fine tune and make that work. So going forward, are your other properties that you purchase short term? Is that the model that you're sticking with right now? So our goal right now is to buy uh, one short term rental every three months for the next two years. And I think once we get to the end of that road, we should be somewhere around 11 properties. Um, and then we can kind of pivot at that point if we choose to. But by the time we get to 11, that's a that's a lot of cash flow coming in. You know, and that that really kind of opens up our our options in terms of what we want to do moving forward. And then how are you paying for these properties going forward? You had mentioned your line of credit. Is that what you're doing and then putting long term financing on them, paying back the line of credit? No. So, yeah. So we're, we're actually just uh, we're, we're using cash we've saved up uh, to put down the mm-hmm. the the down payments. So I'll, I'll take a step back. So the company that I work for in my W2, they've, they've done really, really well this year in the stock market. And part of my compensation is tied to the stocks. So every quarter, you know, uh, we get paid out in restricted stock units. And, you know, I've got a lot of coworkers that are, you know, buying bigger houses or, or buying boats <laughs> or doing all these big things. And every single time I'm just throwing that money uh, into the real estate. So that that's our plan right now is to leverage that capital to keep buying more properties. And then my my partner, he's uh, he refinances his private residence. He bought back in 2011, I want to say. So he had a ton of equity in his home. So he was able to pull some of that out to help fund these deals as well. That's awesome. Those are both yeah. great strategies yeah. for yours. I, I love people who can manage their own personal finances and then get into real estate. So like you, you know, even though you're making more income, you are still staying at the same lifestyle. You're not inflating your lifestyle to match the new income or going right. over your income. <laughs> Having like the personal finance foundations is so important when getting into real estate because it is so easy to let your money get out of control in real estate on a rehab and having a solid foundation at home really helps build with that business. So with your fiance, was she always on board with real estate investing or did you have to kind of convince her? Did she say, yeah, you're making all this money. Let's spend it on real estate. Or would she, you know, like, let's buy a beer house. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm, I'm lucky because she, she always supports me, you know, and, and, yeah. and I think she, she understands that when I do try and do something new that I've, I've really taken the time to understand what it is that I'm getting into. So I don't think she was ever opposed to it, but she wasn't excited about it when we were doing the, the long-term rentals because, mm-hmm. you know, you, you buy a long-term rental and, you know, and the way that I was setting it up, like I had property management and there were some other things in, involved. So I was maybe cash flowing a few hundred bucks a month on, on each property. And, you know, for her, the, you know, the, the numbers felt kind of small, it's boring. But, <laughs> right. You know, but when, when we bought the first short-term rental, Right. Like, and, and you see the, the cash flow, and I'm sure we'll get into this, but you see the cash flow that starts coming in and it's, it's, it's crazy, you know? So she got super excited about that. And obviously she got to go in and help decorate and do all these different things. So she's really kind of flexing her, her creativity muscles as well. So yeah. she, she's loving the process now. When you guys purchased it, did you go to the actual property? We, we bought it sight and seen. Right. And and I think we, we were comfortable doing that because we had already done it four or mm-hmm. five times with our other properties in Louisiana. So we bought it in August. And it was actually already an existing short-term rental. It wasn't listed on Airbnb or, or Verbo, anything like that. It was this local property management company that was kind of running it. Um, and they, they weren't honestly doing that great of a job. Um, and they were charging the, the previous owner like an arm and a leg to, to manage this property for them, which is why they, they ended up selling because it just wasn't worth it for them. So there was an existing contract in place that we had to honor uh, upon purchase. So we bought it in August in that contract with that property management company went through all of September. So we didn't actually take ownership ownership of the property until um, October. And then when we got ownership, we flew out there and kind of got everything set up how we wanted it to. 
Oh, very cool. And yeah. so it's listed now on Airbnb, correct? I it's think listed you had told now. me you're like already booked up. <laughs> so it, it was like, Ashley, it's, it was insane for us. Like we, we listed it and within the first like four hours, half of October was booked. And uh, if I recall right now, I think we had two open nights in October and through the end of the year, we're already at like 77 or almost 80% occupancy through the end of the year. So it's, it's been, it's been a whirlwind these, these last couple of weeks. <laughs> and it, it's exciting too, when you get that little notification on your phone that, oh, someone just, you know, it's, booked. Your it's like book. the most addicting thing ever, right? Like <laughs> it's like social media combined with gambling because you're, you're getting these little notifications, but every time it does, there's money tied to it. So it's, yeah. it's, it's crazy. <laughs> And then like when someone is staying there and you get like, oh, the Airbnb is sending you money. You're like, oh, right. yeah, that's someone who came in today. It's yeah. so like, it's the best thing ever. It's I, I love yeah. this. I have a small Airbnb. It's actually in an apartment complex. And I rent from an investor that I know well that lets me rent the unit. And then I Airbnb it out with my partner. And uh, we've done it. We actually started last August. So we've had it almost a year. And to me, one of, and we're in a super small town, like there is no major attraction. Niagara Falls is probably an hour away. Mm -hmm. And we still get people that come and stay there because it's cheaper than staying in Niagara Falls. But to me, I love seeing why people are coming there, what they're doing. And like the majority of it is weddings. But recently we, we had someone that booked for a full month because they rented land to hunt on near our Airbnb. And instead of driving from the city at 3 a.m. to get in the woods before the sun comes up, they are renting the Airbnb and they're only going to be using it about seven days out of the month when they go hunting on this land. And then we've had people that are remodeling their houses that come and stay there for a month, two months at a time. And I, I just think it's so interesting the reasons people use it in this small little town that's not even, you know, an attraction area. And, but I think that's like an illustrative point as well, right? Is that even, you know, big markets like Pigeon Forge and, and the Great Smoky Mountains and even smaller markets where you're at and like uh, not upstate New York, but where you're at, like up, up Western north, New York, Western yeah. New York, yeah. right? Western New like, York, yeah. There's still, there's still an, an opportunity to, to make strong cash flows outside of just long-term rentals, right? There's other options for folks if they want to get started. And like the nice thing too about this apartment is that it can always turn into a long-term rental mm -hmm. if needed. Is that something that you could do too with yours? The, the difference is that where we're at in the, the kind of Great Smoky Mountains area is mm -hmm. that it's it's a very mature vacation rental market. So even before Airbnb, even before Verbo, there, mm -hmm. this was always like a, a vacation destination for folks. And like the, the Great Smoky Mountains is actually like the most visited national park in the United States, like by far. Wow. I think they get like almost 13 million visitors a year. And the next national park gets like 6 million. So this is, this is like a very consistent, mature vacation rental market. So I don't think we would ever have a need to turn it back to a long-term rental, but I guess if we did, that, that, that is always an option. And it sounds like there's multiple attractions there. It's not like you're just relying on one Six Flags theme resort. And if that were to shut down, there's no longer an attraction it's, to it. It's, it's actually, it's, it's a crazy town, right? So that, that we went in October and that was my first time going. And it's, you know, you, you've got the national park. We're like you know, maybe 30 minutes away from the national park entrance. There's Dollywood, which is like this big amusement park out there. And then in the city of Pigeon Forge, there's all of these amusements and attractions and museums. And it's just like this, you know, it's beautiful place for a family to go and just like enjoy a vacation. So there, there's a lot to sustain that economy. Yeah, is it near Gatlinburg? So they're they're right, like right next to each other. So like, okay, because uh, I think I saw the sign because I took my son. To, we stayed at a monkey ranch. These people that own like a hundred monkeys, and we went to Gatlinburg for the day. And I think I remember seeing the pigeon forge. Yeah, sign. so yeah. they're right next to each other. So so Gatlinburg okay. is like right at the at the like the park entrance, and then Pigeon Forge is mm -hmm. right next to to Gatlinburg. Cool, cool. Yeah. So what's the next uh, short-term market you're going after? Are you going back to the Smoky Mountains? So we, we do love the Smoky Mountains and we want to buy there. We want to continue to buy there, but the the price points there are, are heating up a little bit. So we bought 
um, in August, we paid five ninety for that house, and that was a five bedroom, four and a half bath. And now those same properties are going for like seven hundred thousand dollars. Like we can't find anything in that same price point. So we're, we're I think we're going to wait a little while, let some of our cash flow build up, and try and reinvest there. But uh, we're, we're actually looking in California now, which is so cool because oh, all really? of my yeah, all of my investments have been you know I got to fly to get to them. Right. So now the property we closed on yesterday is in Joshua Tree, California. Um, this is another like very uh, well visited national park. I want to say get somewhere between like three to four million visitors a year. And we're lucky that we're close to it. And this has also been kind of a, a maturing short-term rental market as well. So we, we bought that property there. And then we have a second one under contract in Joshua Tree as well. Now, uh, one piece of advice that I'll give to folks is that if you spread out your properties in, in different places, you, you get more attractive financing right? Like when we bought our property in Pigeon Forge, it's technically listed as a, as a vacation home for us. And we were able to get 10% down financing on that one. And the same thing for this first Josh Retreat property. It was another vacation home for us. So we got 10% down. Wow. That's really interesting. Yeah. I thought it was like, you only get like one second, a secondary home, but wow, that's cool. I didn't know that. So it works out well. Now the second property that we're buying in Josh Richard, obviously you can't have two vacation homes that are like a mile away from each other. So we're, yeah, we're yeah. putting 20% down there, but there's some other markets that are kind of mature vacation rental markets here in California as well, that we think we're going to, we're going to move mm -hmm. into next. That's awesome. And I don't know how well you read your contract, but in there it stated that I get a week free in each of your Airbnbs throughout the year. I was, this I, I'm, a, I'm a great <laughs> negotiator from time on. to time, so I was able to nix that one out. <laughs> now, oh, we'll swap, that, that though. We'll, so we'll swap. I'll give you a week in mind. Yeah, you give I'm me a not week sure there's there. anything ex exciting to come here for, but yeah, we can meet each other. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay, so yeah. But uh, besides Joshua Tree, is there anywhere else you're looking right now? What's the, the next move? You have, what, three more months before you purchase the next? So another big kind of destination by us is uh, Big Bear Lake. So it's a it's a lake here in SoCal that, that mm -hmm. gets a, a lot of visitors. And again, it's a it's a very mature market. Even before Airbnb and Verbo, there were a lot of vacation rentals there. So we're we're looking at that as potentially our next market. Um, we also kind of like Las Vegas. Um, you know, we're we're a short you know forty five minute flight from Vegas, and that's obviously a you know a big kind of tourist destination as well. So we're we've got some things. We're we're actually trying to keep it a little bit closer to home, just to see if we can start building that uh, the portfolio a little a little closer. I actually went and met this uh, property manager, this guy that owns this property management company in Las Vegas uh, recently, and uh, the systems he has in place and just his whole process is so amazing. So if you need a property manager, I don't know if he does short-term rentals, but yeah, he is really cool we're, and interesting. We're actually managing ourselves, right? So with the long-term rentals, we had a property manager in, in place, uh, but with the short-term mm -hmm. rentals, we made the decision to do it on our own. And uh, are you using like any software actually to help manage yours or? or no. I'm just using the Airbnb app. Got it. Yeah. So we, we've got some pretty cool stuff and I want to walk the listeners through if I can. So yeah. in, in terms of our, our pricing, pricing your Airbnb is almost like, um, like pricing a hotel, right? And, and like, depending on what day and what time and where you're booking, like the price can be different. So we use Price Labs to, to help us with our pricing. And it's a really cool tool because it gives you a lot of data on like your competition in the market. So I can see in Pigeon Forge, um, all of the current listings for other five bedrooms, I can see the distribution of their prices. So how many are charging between, you know, two and 250 per night, 250 and 300, so on and so forth. And then I can also see like the occupancy levels in those different price ranges. And then that helps me decide, okay, where do I want to be with my prices? Do I want to be a little bit more aggressive? Do I want to be a little less aggressive? So I can kind of take the guesswork out of what my prices should be. And it's got all these really cool automations as well. So it's like, if I've got a vacant spot and it's 30 days out, maybe I won't give a discount right now. Let folks just kind of hopefully fill that spot. But say I get to 14 days out and that date still hasn't booked, it'll automatically decrease the price by 10%. And if I'm seven days out, it'll automatically bring it down a little bit more. So you can be a little bit more aggressive and dynamic with your pricing. So Price Labs has been uh, almost an invaluable tool for us to make sure that we're, we're capitalizing on on, on all of our, our open days. And then we're also using Smart BNB as our kind of property management platform. And this one's so cool because it automates a lot of the messaging uh, that you have with your guests. So we have automated messages that go out uh, like three days before someone checks in. Um, and it gives them like our, our guest book and like their access code and all the things they need to know about the cabin. We send another automated message, I want to say 18 hours after they check in. So like the morning after they check in, they get another message from us and it just says like, hey, hope everything's going well. Let us know if you have any questions. Uh, we've got another one that goes out 18 hours before they check out just to kind of remind them of all the things we need them to do, you know, turn off the lights, you know, cover the hot tub, so on and so forth. 
And then after they check out, we, we send them another message that says, hey, we hope you enjoyed your stay. You know, we're going to give you a five star review as a guest. If you can leave us an honest rating review, we'd appreciate it as well. So a lot of that communication with the guests is taken care of because we've got all these automated messages going out. Um, so Price Labs, uh, Smart BNB, those have been great. And the last one I'll share is called Hostfully. Um, Hostly has both a like a property management arm, but they also have like a digital guidebook arm and we use them for the digital guidebook. So one of those automated messages you get, it's a link to our digital guidebook for the cabin and it gives you all of the local attractions, some of the, the restaurants you need to go check out, directions to some of the, you know, the sites to see and things like that. Um, and it also gives you all of our house rules and, you know, uh, how to use the cabin, all these questions that guests typically have. They're kind of captured in that uh, that digital guidebook, but it's it's given to them in a way that's easy to digest. So honestly, it's it's been a pretty smooth process for us, and and we don't get a ton of questions from guests, and we've got nothing but five star uh, reviews since we've started. So um, I'm loving the systems and the automations to help make this business a bit more scalable. Have you ever thought of managing other people's short term rentals? You know, it, it's something that we've thought about, but I feel like our our goal right now is to build our own portfolio first. And mm -hmm. I, I think maybe once we get to a point where maybe we're having a hard time getting financing or, um, you know, maybe we, we've exhausted some of our capital and we feel that we, we don't have the resources to buy our own, then maybe we'll, we'll get into like either an arbitrage or like co-hosting or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's nice not having to be responsible to anybody else right. either. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah, thank you for uh, sharing those software with us. So yeah. Those are very interesting. I'll have to look at them. The only thing with Price Lab, so in my market, there are three other Airbnbs. <laughs> so it's not very hard to figure out what the going rate is. <laughs> so true. I'm not sure if that one would really be worth it for me. But uh, definitely the other two I'm going yeah. to look at. I love the idea of the automated messaging. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, so I'll, I'll look into those, but I'm I'm excited to have someone with short-term rental experience. I mean, I really don't know that much about it, and definitely not on the level that you do. So this will be really cool. Yeah. And then you can yeah. teach me how to buy okay. properties for, for like $20,000 or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then you, you can come and visit it and when you buy it here and stay in my Airbnb. There you go. <laughs> okay. So let's go on. So even though you're not really a guest, we can still uh, do our MVP section, sure. the most valuable player. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're trying to close on your next rental. So why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today.
When Bigger Pockets started podcasting, no one thought we needed a store, but then books, so many books, best selling books, rookie books, partnership books. We needed the best real estate bookstore ever, so we chose Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch stage to the first order stage to the, did we just sell out the whole store stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling real estate books or retro clothing, Shopify's platform helps you sell everywhere, online or in person. Now, speaking of online, did you know Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better than other leading commerce platforms? And no matter how big you grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control of your business. And that's why we chose Shopify for the Bigger Pockets bookstore. So sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash bprookie, all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash bprookie now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash bprookie. So besides your new co-host, who is the most <laughs> valuable person on your team? Yeah. So for me, if we look at like our short-term rental and how we're scaling that business out, the most valuable person that we've had is our cleaner. Yeah. You know, typically when you think about like the, your cleaners, they're, they're like, uh, you know, they're just there to clean your property. But when you're in the mm -hmm. short-term rental space and you, especially when you're managing from afar, they're literally your, your partner in that property. So, yeah. you know, we, we pay our cleaner a, a premium, right. Kind of at the top of the market. And, you know, we, we tip her when we can, we, you know, anything that we can do to, to kind of keep her happy and, and make her feel like she's a part of the team because she is, we'll, we'll do that because she, not, not only does she come in and keep the property clean, but if something looks off or if, Hey, there's a leak here that you need to, like, we just had a, mm -hmm. a leak in one of our, our restrooms and she called and let us know that we, Hey, we need to get that fixed. We shipped so much stuff to her house before we actually closed on the property and she was willing to hold that stuff for us. And she put up decorations for us and she did all this other stuff for us. So she's been like absolutely invaluable to, to us being able to scale this, this business properly from, you know, being several States away. That is so awesome. I love that answer because when I think about it, that is how our current cleaner is too. I mean, she just takes care of everything mm -hmm. too. She'll let us know, but it'll be like, I already, I already right. took care of it just so you know, but I wanted to give you a heads up. It's, it's great, right? Like, so we had a guest that left like a big, like laundry bag full of clothes at the property and our cleaner texted and said, Hey, there's, there's a bag of clothes, you know, like sitting at the front door. And she was so nice enough that she she picked up that bag, she boxed it up, and she shipped it back to that guest for us, right? Wow. So it's like when you have that level of like support from your your cleaner, they really are truly a partner, and, and you got to treat them as such. Yeah, 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 definitely. And I like the tip idea too. When we have like friends stay in the Airbnb instead of you know them paying for paying us to stay there, we uh, say leave a hefty tip for the cleaner we always, <laughs> right. and then they leave it on and <laughs> right. leave it for them. So yeah. Okay. Well, that's awesome. That's a great answer. Yeah. I, I love that. And you're right. It's, she's definitely become more of a partner mm -hmm. than, you know, just someone who works for you. Right. Let's go on to the rookie request line. So anybody can call in to our voicemail box, one 888 five rookie leave us a message and me and tony we listen to these messages or at least he will be now <laughs> and then we pick out a couple questions to have our guests answer on the show so today tony and i are going to take on a couple questions hi this is nathan and i'm out of mustang oklahoma i'm trying to invest in rental properties and i have a 1099 job i'm 22 years old and I don't have over three years of tax records to show that I have good income, but I do have good money for a down payment. I'm just wondering how I could get financing with my 1099 job with a good down payment. Uh, I don't really know how to go about it. I own one home already, but looking for my first rental. Thank you. My first thought is, I guess two things, right? One, I would maybe shop around to a few different mortgage brokers because some are some are a bit more creative than others, right? And, and just because one person says no or one bank says no doesn't mean that there isn't a, an actual path forward. I've known people that have gotten mortgages with very little income and, and you know they still find a way to make it work. So that would, that would be my first piece of advice. My second would be find a partner. 
right? Like if, if you've got someone and you've already kind of proven that you can buy real estate and, and, you know, I don't know if the first property was an investment property or not, but you've already proven that you can go through that transactional process. And if you can find someone whose kind of goals and plans and everything aligns with yours, that's the best way. Like I wouldn't have been able to scale my, my business nearly as fast as I have without the, the support and the help of my partner. So finding someone who you can work with, I think is, is key. And you can obviously leverage their, their W2 income, their, you know, their paychecks and all that stuff to help you get approved. You stole my answer. I was going to say <laughs> partnerships too. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And find someone who is bankable and mm -hmm. partner with them, or you can find a private money or hard money lender. I mean, I wouldn't really use a hard money lender, I guess, because it's going to be a while before you can pay them back if you need to build up three years of tax returns. But even a private lender, I've used someone who has put me on a 30 year amortization, low interest rate, and then it's callable in five years. So that gives me five years to um, put private lend or put a conventional mortgage on the property. So you could go in that route too. Yeah. And actually, let me ask you a question on that, right? Because I know for yeah. myself, like I've never used private money. So if I'm a new investor and I've never done this before, or maybe I've got one deal, like how, how do I go about making that connection? Like, you know, am I, am I just putting an ad on Facebook saying, Hey, send me some money or <laughs> what does that look like? No Craigslist. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what I recommend is first write down all of the people, you know, you already know that you think in your network would be interested in being a private lender and then the second thing is how is this going to be an opportunity for them so you don't want to make it about like i need money can you help me blah 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 make it an opportunity for them look at your money you know you can estimate and say the stock market has done this the past year this is the return i can give you this return on your money mine is a lot safer because of this i've done all this research basically put together a, a binder a portfolio a word document a presentation something with showing all of your personal finances. You wanna show them that you can manage your own money. It's not about having money, it's about have, or managing the money that you do have. So I like to recommend putting that in your tax returns, your credit karma report, your any current loans you have, showing that they've been paid every single month, you're not behind any kind of your personal financials. You can put together a personal financial statement. And then go through and put together the deals. So what deals are you looking at Print out the bigger pockets report showing, you know, that this will cash flow this a month. I can easily make the mortgage payment, things like that. And then give that binder to the person who you want to be your private money lender and show them, you know, this is a great investment for them. And it's going to be an opportunity for them as for you as well. Yeah, I love that advice. And I think the one thing I would add on to that, right, is that, you know, that you might be thinking that's a great process if I have someone. But what happens if I don't know anyone that that might be a good private <laughs> money lender? Right. And the thing that I always tell folks is you, you got to get out there and start networking. Right. And obviously it's a little weird right now, but there's so many virtual meetups. You know, there's places like Bigger Pockets. There's a Facebook group. Like there's so many different avenues to start building relationships with folks. And it's not always with the intention of oh maybe you'll be my private money lender, but it's about letting people know what you're up to, right? It's like, hey, I, I just analyzed this deal. Can I get your feedback? Or, hey, what do you think about this market? Here's my analysis on it. Or, hey, what do you think about this strategy? Or, or whatever it is, you, you just want to do your best to start finding folks that have a common interest and sharing and dialoguing with them as much as you can, because you never know where that conversation may lead, right? Like my, my partner now, he, like, I, I didn't know that he was in, interested in real estate investing, but we just both so happened to follow David Green, believe it or not. And I, I was on Instagram and I saw, I was like, well, you know, why is, why is he following David Green? And, and I reached out and we opened up that dialogue and now we're partners, right? Our, our third partner who we were looking at uh, by a multifamily with who got us in the short-term rental space, I met him at a meetup. And we just happened to connect and we talked and then, you know, we didn't see much of each other. And then three months later, we met at a conference and we just, you know, we saw each other and like, hey, I remember you from the meetup and, and we hit it off. Right. So there's so many different avenues to start finding folks if you feel that you don't have that network already. Yeah, that's great. And it's really about building your network and your connections and letting everybody know what you want to do. So I never use business cards anymore, but I do have business cards and on the back of them, they say, I buy multifamily property. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and just letting people know, I've had people reach out to me that heard from my realtor that, you know, what I'm doing and, you know, would they be interested in being a lender for me or they want to invest with me? But that's such a good point is just tell everybody what you want to do, what you are doing, and you'll find that people actually start coming to you. Yeah. Uh, to talk about. That's how I found a couple of deals too, is people actually brought them to me just because they knew that I invested in rental property and I purchased properties. Yeah. And if I can add one more thing yeah. on that, Ashley, right? I, I yeah, think definitely. If, if you can focus, and I'm, I'm talking directly to the listeners, right? Like if you can focus on getting that first deal done, it changes everything. 
right? Because even even if it's not a super successful first deal, just being able to communicate to people that you were able to go through the processes and the steps to get that first deal done, you gain so much more credibility. And you know, you post that picture on your Facebook, or on your social media, and your LinkedIn, wherever, you'll be surprised at how many people start reaching out to you saying, oh, wow, I didn't know that you were interested in real estate investing. So am I. And that's like the, the kind of gateway you need to start building those relationships. So whatever you can do as a listener to get that first deal done, do it. Because not only do you get like all of the positive benefits that come along with owning property, but it also opens up your network a ton. And I think it's very rare that someone's first deal is a home run, except for Amy that we had on a couple weeks ago who had a hundred thousand (laughs) dollars equity in her first deal, but she's the exception, (laughs) but yeah, but just getting it done, going through the motions is such a learning experience. And it's also proof that you know what you're doing and you know how to do it. You can get it done. So let's move on to our next question. Hi, my name is Rachel. I'm 23 from Pennsylvania. My question is, when is the best time to refinance a rental property and um, how does a cash out refinance work? Thank you. Do you want to kind of take this one together? We can yeah. talk about the Burr method. Sure, and- sure. I've actually only done one refinance and it, and it wasn't a cash out. It was just like a, like a rate term refi. So I, I think I'll let you lead this yeah. one, Ashley. Yeah. Okay. So when you purchase your property, you can purchase it in cash, whether that's money from a line of credit, a hard money lender, but you're not putting a conventional mortgage on the property when you first purchase it. So I would say the best time to refinance your property is after you go through the Burr strategy. So whether it's a rehab or just cosmetic updates, what are you doing to add value to it? Or did you buy it under market that it's already has more equity built into it than the original purchase price? I would get your, if this is, you know, a long-term rental, I would get your, your tenants in place and, you know, have your lease agreement showing proof that you're getting this much income every month. And that's something the appraiser would look at. So for your refinance, some banks will require a seasoning period where you have to wait six months a year until you can actually do a cash out refinance and get some of your money back. But there are small local banks that will definitely do this for you. Like I had it done. I, I closed on a property. I had the appraisal the next week uh, to get the, the the financing done. So there are definitely banks that will do it sooner. So just shop around. As Tony had said, reach out to as many banks. Just because one bank says no doesn't mean they're all going to say no. So after you have completed the bird, the buy, rehab, rent, and then you'll do your refinance and then repeat it. But so how it actually works is you go to the bank, you say, I own this property uh, free and clear. There's no mortgage. They will do an appraisal on the property, establish what uh, the value is, and they'll give you up to a certain amount. So common on investment properties can be 75% of the value of the property, sometimes 80% of the value of the property. So that's how much they would give you back. So if you have only put 50, it's, 50,000 into it and it's a $100,000 appraisal, you can get a lot more than that 50,000 back. You can get 75,000 back. And then you're paying yourself back that 50,000 or you're paying back your line of credit, wherever you got that money from for the purchase and the rehab, you're going to pay that back. And then you can even take out that extra cash if you want and use it as a down payment on your next property, buy a Tesla, whatever. (laughs) But yeah, that's a, that's kind of just the, the basics of a cash out refinance. Yeah. Do you want to take the next one, Tony? Practice uh, doing the request sign? <laughs> Hi, my name is Gabe, and I'm a rookie investor in South Georgia. I hear about landlords having tax advantages. Could you detail what tax advantages landlords get? So this is actually something I'm still learning about as well, right? Because I bought my first property in 2019, right at the end. So 2020 has been like my first full year as a as a real estate investor. But I'll share a little bit of what I know, Ashley, then I'll, I'll lean on you to kind of share what, what you've been able to experience. So one of the things you get is you get to write off, I know, your interest payments, right? Uh, your property taxes, those are things you can deduct. And that's true for anyone, whether you're investing or whether you're, you know, you're a single family residence. But then you also get uh, depreciation. And one of the things that I'm super excited about for our Pigeon Forge property is that we're looking at potentially doing like a, a cost segregation study because it's such a big uh, kind of expensive property, right? We paid almost $600,000 for it. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it. And the the benefit of doing cost segregation over like typical depreciation is that you accelerate a lot, a lot of that depreciation early on. So typically on a house, you can depreciate, I think over like 27 and a half years, if I'm not mistaken. And it's just everything, the entire house. 
But when you do cost segregation, you get to say, hey, I spent, you know, X dollars on this and it's only going to last for five years. So let me appreciate or depreciate that over five years. And this thing is going to last for 10 years. So I'll depreciate over 10 years. So you get a lot more tax benefits early on uh, as opposed to seeing it spread out over several years. And obviously, basic thing, you know, other expenses for the property, you can kind of deduct and things like that as well. But I know the thing that I'm most excited about moving into this is the cost segregation on those larger, larger properties. Brandon Turner talks about that a lot. He's done that on several of his properties, too, and really has saved a lot in taxes going through the cost segregation. One thing, too, is a 1031 exchange. Mm -hmm. So you can actually defer the taxes that you will pay on the sale of a property. So when you sell the property, you identify another property and use the proceeds from that sale to purchase another investment property. And this is how some people scale. So you sell your hundred thousand dollar property and use that as a down that money as a down payment on a five hundred thousand dollar property, and you are not taxed on that hundred thousand dollar that you made from uh, the sale of the first property. And it just if you keep doing these exchanges, just deferred, 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 deferred until eventually you don't do a ten thirty one exchange. And then maybe if you pass away, I'm not, I'm not really sure at the end. Yeah. So Swap till you drop. Swap till you drop. That's what yeah. they call it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing would be just the rental income coming in. Uh, for long-term rentals, you are paying a lot lower income tax on it than you would say a W-2 job. Or if you're self-employed, you're paying, you know, the self-employment tax for, uh, it's double when you're self-employed because you're paying what, you know, usually a company would contribute your employer would contribute and then you're playing the employee one. So that definitely is an advantage to having that lower income tax on rental income. There is a great uh, book. If you guys want to check it out, go to biggerpockets.com forward slash tax book. And it's uh, tax strategies for savvy real estate investors. Um, There's also an advanced version too. I highly recommend reading both of them. Yeah, I actually just finished one of them. I can't recall which one, but one of the other things that I think is really cool to call out is that you can get a designation as a a real estate professional. And Mm, when you get that designation, that opens up like so many more like tax benefits. So we're actually in the process of trying to get my fiance designated as that. And that's part of the reason why we brought mm-hmm. her into the short-term rental, because there's some limitations, right? Like, like if you have a full-time job, you have to put more hours into your full-time or I'm sorry, into real estate than you put into your full-time job. Mm-hmm. And if you're, if you're, if you're doing real estate full-time, I think there's still some kind of like hours threshold. I think it's like 15 or 20 hours a week or something along the lines, but that it, it opens up to so many more tax benefits. So read the book, look into that and hopefully that helps as well. That's where I learned that from yeah. too, is that book. <laughs> And uh, yeah, there and there's a lot more things you can write off mm-hmm. to being the designated right. real estate investor. Yeah, so definitely check out those two books if you want to learn more about tax strategies. I was an accountant for six months before I became a real estate person. Yeah. No. So you, you were an accountant. You were, aren't you like an insurance agent? You, you got <laughs> yeah. just all these kind of hats you're wearing, huh? Yeah, I, you know, all these streams of income. But yeah, I started out as a, an accountant. When I graduated school, I had a degree in accounting and finance. And I lasted not even six months working at a public accounting firm. And then I quit to become a property manager. There you go. Yeah. So lots of different stuff. I get bored easily. So I like to... <laughs> I chase this shiny object yeah. syndrome. Well, uh, it's day one bad. for me, Ashley. So. so I hope you don't get bored with me too soon. <laughs> <laughs> Not bored with people, okay. bored with businesses and projects. Actually, go. what I really like to do is I like to build a business, start it, you know, from the ground up or whatever, get it profitable. And then I like to hand it over totally. for other people to run it. Like yeah. I like the nitty gritty of building it and getting it going. And then once it's like running, Smooth. then it gets boring to me. <laughs> good, good. I'm the so same So we have boy. to change the podcast up every couple of years. So it stays interesting. We'll do that. There you go. So let's go into our random questions and maybe uh, I can ask you one and you can ask me one, but let's see here. Uh, What is one fear or self-doubt you've overcome or trying to overcome? Uh, That is a good one. One fear or self-doubt. I think for me, it's really strange, right? Because on on one hand, I kind of have this irrational self-confidence to where if I, if I set a goal, I feel pretty confident that I can find a way to make it happen. But on the other hand, it's like, 
as you're working towards it, you're like, well, man, is it, is it really possible, right? Especially if, if you've never met someone personally that's achieved the things that you want to achieve. If you've never seen firsthand how that success happens, sometimes you can start doubting yourself. And I, I think what kind of helps me push through that, that self-doubt of my, uh, you know, abilities to achieve the things I want to achieve, it's when I'm able to connect with folks that are on the same path as me. Right. Like that's why for me, having a partner is so invaluable. And, you know, early on, I always thought that I could do it on my own. But having a partner that that's kind of there to uh, bounce ideas off of and kind of sanity check you and remind you that, hey, we're, we're making progress, we're moving in the right direction. I think that that makes a, a world of a difference. And as you start to kind of stack your successes, you get more and more excited about about what's to come. So whenever you feel yourself kind of retreating or, or feeling, you know, some self-defeat, if you can get like a small, quick win to kind of keep that momentum going, that, that's that's what you need. Because real estate, it's a long-term play, right? Like, like no one's going to get rich in real estate overnight. You've got to kind of have that persistence, that grit, that determination to push through. And things are going to go wrong. Things are always going to go wrong. Like every week, every month, every year, something big, something bad is going to happen, but you got to be able to push through that. So for me, being able to surround yourself with a, with a group of folks that can keep you on track and motivated is, is huge. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. My first deal was with a partner is because I wanted that security and I wanted just, you know, someone to work with me. I just didn't want to do it by myself. And just having the community, the network of people. I was talking to someone today who they actually were in some kind of uh, community of real estate investors. And they said that like what they were doing was getting discouraging, but then they'd log into the the Slack channel of the community and then they'd get some momentum and, you know, people would motivate them and that others went through the same challenges. So like grab onto your community, whether, you know, it's in a Facebook group or it's in, I've been in a couple uh, just Instagram group messages of other investors that just, just nonstop going and hardly keep up. But it's so fun because it's interesting to see what everybody else is doing and gives you that inspiration momentum to, to keep going. Yeah. All right. Let me ask you one. You mentioned Instagram and being with, okay. with other investors. So who are some folks that our listeners should go follow on Instagram that, that you, you enjoy talking with? Okay. So nerds guide to Fi is one Sarah. She was actually a guest on our show, but when I first started my Instagram account, it's been like a year and a half now. She was like one of the first people I connected with and uh, she has bought rentals and she's currently doing a live in flip kind of house hacking bull. <laughs> she's living in the upstairs and then turned the, the basement into another unit and is going to rent that out. But she does some really unique, interesting strategies and creative financing. Uh, so she's a great follow for that and does some DIY stuff too. Another person would be, let's see, who's another one? I don't know. There's like, there's so many <laughs> great ones. But uh, yeah, to her, I think just because since the beginning that I, I've connected with her, I think just she, and she puts out so much content too. And then, oh, I know one, uh, Ryan Dossie. So recently he started doing these little pr like ads, like he'll, answers they're not ads i guess but he'll answer someone's question that they asked him on instagram but he does these really funny uh real stories about it and i think he's maybe done two or three but they're definitely entertaining and then he obviously gives really good answers to the real estate questions Got so it. Yeah, those would be my two recommendations today off the top of my head. Awesome. Okay. I'll, I'll yeah. throw a third one in there. You guys can all follow me on Instagram as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm at Tony J. Robinson. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't have any funny hey. reels on my, on my, on my profile yet. So maybe I'll, I'll try and throw some of those in there for, for Ashley. <laughs> yeah. You're supposed to wait till the end. That's what we say. Oh God. Okay. Instagram, I'm still learning. Yeah. All right. I, I get two shots today then. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, that is it for the show today. And you guys, I'm so excited to be working with Tony. And what is uh, your other podcast? Can you say a little bit about that so people can go back and listen to some yeah. of the other episodes you have done with that? Absolutely. So uh, my, my previous podcast was the Your First Real Estate Investment. Um, and every week I interviewed guests uh, specifically about their first deal. So very similar content to kind of what we're going over here. I, I think a lot of folks will, will benefit from hearing it. But uh, we spent the entire, you know, 45 minutes to an hour deep diving one specific deal. So how they, how they found it, how they funded it, how they closed it. Um, so if you all want to go back and take a listen, your first real estate investment is uh, where it's at. Well, I think it's been a great first show. I, I agree. I'm, I'm still kind of yeah. shaking off the butterflies. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm sure I'll, I'll get more comfortable as we keep going, but I'm, I'm super excited. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's almost, it's so weird as right? Because I, I hear your voice all the time. So now to 
seeing your face and we're, we're talking to him, I'm still, I'm still kind of getting used to everything, but I'm excited. Yeah, you'll get annoyed with it. <laughs> well, it's so funny, right? Because I, I feel like our voices kind of balance each other out to you, right? Like I've got this like kind yeah. of deep, you know, California mellow vibe and you've got this real bubbly, you know, kind of high pitched laugh. So it's, we're, you know, we're, we're bouncing each other out. I love it. Yeah, my dad, he listens and he always tells me I laugh too much. He's like, God, people are going to get so annoyed with you. I'm like, I can't help it. I think things are funny. But thank you, everyone, for listening. And I am excited to get to know Tony more along with you guys. So go back and listen to the Real Estate Rookie episode 10. We'll also have some show notes with more information about Tony at biggerpockets.com forward slash rookie 37. I'm Ashley Kerr at Wealth From Rentals, and he's Tony Robinson at Tony J. Robinson. Thank you, guys, and we will be back next week. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com slash deals. Enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and boom, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. There's free resources only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.